the first time I faked my manager, that's where my big jump came from. And to help make more money, I was like, okay, well, I need to set up a fake email account. And so I, I set up a fake email account. And then my <laughs> fake manager, her name was Lisa Bateman. And so Lisa Bateman would uh, would be like, hey, I'm taking Tiffany off of CC so that we can discuss money. And that's kind of how I started getting my first brand deals. That is insane. Yeah. R-O-T-N, let, let me present, present to you. you the Rotten Podcast. The Rotten Podcast. How do you want me to say it? Rotten. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, episode four, we're back. Hello. Running on no sleep. No. Very little sleep. Caffeine a lot, and candy. A lot of caffeine. <laughs> and a lot of candy for me. How are we feeling? Um, we're feeling good because today and yesterday we are going through Mint for our NFT project. So if you guys didn't know, Matt and I started a project called Runaways of the Neverworld, and we finally, finally, finally had Mint Day, which is the day you sell your project finally. We finally launched yesterday. Yeah. And it felt so liberating and refreshing in like a weight off of our shoulder, my Mm -hmm. shoulder, because we've put eight months, relentless work, so much brain power, as many resources as we could, money, you name it, into this one moment that it felt like (laughs) yesterday. I swear you still think it's August because it's December and we've started this in January. So it's been 11 months now. And we we uh, did a soft launch three months ago to start marketing it, and it was it was the big day. And I think a lot of us had high expectations because both Matt and I are just such ambitious people. We wanted to, of course, sell out in like ten hours, right? But with this market and the way NFTs go about now, you see a lot of projects selling out after a few days and taking their time to build a community. And I'm not gonna lie, our fucking community is amazing honestly hands down this community is showing up for us i absolutely love everyone in our community they've been so positive during this time and so it's been so interesting seeing how everything played out and luckily for you know all of us we've been able to pivot like real businesses do yeah i think there's a huge lesson in this process at least for me in my expectations leading up to yesterday because it was so hard to gauge the market especially all this stuff happening with cryptocurrencies. Yeah. And we didn't honestly know what would happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. It did not play out the way that I thought it would. Mm -hmm. But I think that there's so much positivity and resilience behind that. Because honestly, when we launched, it was like things kind of like fell short. But that, what did that make us do? It made us come together, come up with a new plan, put our heads together and pivot our business And that is what all great businesses and leaders do. Mm -hmm. You know, at a time of adversity or when things don't go the way that you plan, there's either two ways you go about it. You can get discouraged, put your tail between your legs and play the victim and want to give up Mm -hmm. and blame outside sources. Or you take this opportunity 
this situation and you look for the greatest opportunity within it, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that that's what we did yesterday. We did. We're like, yo, it's not working the way we wanted it to. But that's okay. But that's amazing because I'm so much more happy about where we're headed. Honestly, I think if we sold out, we would have grown our community too fast to the point where we wouldn't be able to really shape the community we wanted. And we would have had a bunch of people we didn't care to have in the community. And I, being someone that has imposter syndrome, and so I genuinely knew I posted videos and stories and talked about my NFT project, but I really didn't think I actually had real people that wanted to like get into it. But yesterday, all of you girls showed up for me. It was honestly the most exciting thing I've seen and felt in a very very long time where so many of the girls like all of you subscribers everyone who's listening actually bought the project and it's the first nft project you ever bought and guys it's twenty dollars by the way if you guys don't know how much we're like charging for these nfts so at twenty dollars it's just like such a fun way to get into nfts without putting a lot of money in and I will say twenty dollars is a lot but if you think about it that is that's like a that's like what six coffees the cheapest ones i don't yeah. know how much are coffees uh, i don't buy coffee the past two weeks andrew and i have been waking up at like seven yeah. before then sometimes hitting a lift mm-hmm. this week we haven't been able to work out in the morning we've been meeting up at seven thirty. he's coming over bringing a venti <laughs> cold brew how much which is 4.95 oh so that's four starbucks well, it's yeah. three bobas for me. So like it is, it's definitely a little bit of money for sure. Honestly, I'm going to say that $20 is not a lot of money to in today's, who are we speaking to here? I know. $20. Come on. My Chipotle order is close $15. to $20. Okay. Well, I we just, can't sugarcoat everything, <laughs> right? Like the people want, we got to be real here. All right. So it is pretty cheap for an dirt energy. cheap for yeah. what we built for it. Let's, let's be real. Yeah. So we put in a lot of work into this. We put in a lot of time, money and everything. And so I just wanted to say to the girls, thank you so much for just showing up for Matt, Andrew and I it really means the world to us. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I think that there was like, to be honest with you, and I'm going to get really real here. Okay. So Jeremy texted me last night Yeah. and he was like, How'd it go? And I was like, there's something liberating about the worst case scenario happening. I wouldn't say this is worst case scenario, though. For my expectations, it's the worst case scenario. But I think that there's something to own about Mm -hmm. that and to grow from that. Yeah. Because I had so much anticipation leading up to this moment. Yeah. Worried about actually what happened yesterday. And so when it happened yesterday... It felt really liberating to me. It was like you survived. The worst thing ever happened to you and you still fucking survived. That's the best feeling, right? Because I have those moments as well where I'm scared of something happening and then it actually happens. And I'm like, oh, it's not as bad as I thought it would be. You came into bed last night. You're like, what are you watching? Yeah. And I was watching um, this thing that Jonah Hill put out Mm -hmm. on Netflix called Stutz, which is like a hour and a half long documentary interview style like this where he's talking with his therapist Mm -hmm. and his therapist is like walking through a lot of very useful tools for people to use in certain moments and I think it's really it's so good I've watched it almost two times now Mm -hmm. because I find it so it's one of those send it to me I want to see this it's one of those things that it's calm it's relaxing and there's so much insight and there's there's a sense of security behind it and it's funny that you brought that up because when Jonah Hill I guess his brother died he went uh, unexpectedly. I think this was a few years ago. He went to his therapist, this guy Stutz. Yeah. And his therapist took a picture of him. And he what? was like, why did you take a picture of me? They're talking about it. He's like, because I want to show you that picture now. And there's uh-huh. something so real about when you have a picture of yourself at your lowest moment mm-hmm. and you look at it now, you realize in that moment, you were thinking to yourself, I can't overcome this. I have no idea how I'm going to move on. Mm-hmm. And then here you are later looking at that moment and saying, I overcame it. Look at the strength of what I'm capable of. Yeah. And there's something so powerful in that. And that's just stemming off of that exact feeling. And again, it's not that dramatic. It's not <laughs> that big of a deal. Yeah. Right. And so I just thought it was like a very powerful lesson that I feel like I learned yesterday you know, we are going into a business together and I actually saw really good advice um, and I'll tell you who it's from later. And the advice was, don't let your ambition affect your gratitude. 
And I think that's kind of what happened initially for me. I was like, dang, like this isn't where I expected it to be. And so my ambitions were so high, but I forgot, wow, actually we have a solid community. We did sell so far 900 of these things. Can you imagine anyone's first day selling something? They sell 900 of it. We sold 900. That is amazing. And so I think we have to lead with that. You want to know who said it? Russ. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, Russ. Russ has a lot of good uh, gems. He's really good at, you know, making sure he sticks it out in the long run. Because I'm sure when he first started out, he wasn't like hitting viral moments at all. Absolutely not. Yeah. I actually think this is genuinely a good segue of, you know, persevering in whatever you're going to do. In today's podcast, I genuinely want to talk about my journey on YouTube and how my life looks like now compared to what it did 12 years ago and how YouTube has affected me and how if I didn't persevere, I wouldn't be sitting with you right now. You wouldn't even be dating me, I'm sure. I'd be dating like some fucking accountant. Uh, you would be behind a cubicle. Yeah. Working your way up the co- the corporate ladder. Yeah. You would have been good in that environment. Oh, I was I was great in that environment because I'm just, I feel like I genuinely like to hear people and listen to people's stories. And I think in a corporate business setting, people just love to talk to you and love to think you like hearing what they have to say. And they just genuinely like you more if you just listen to them. And so I was doing great as an intern. <laughs> I think that that's a great piece of advice. And while you were saying that, I was thinking to myself, most people want to talk about themselves. A hundred percent. You know, mm-hmm. and if you can be someone that they can rely on and trust, that's going to go a very long way in anything that you do in life. Yeah. And that's a really mm-hmm. good bit. But Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Like getting into the YouTube thing, I've always had so much admiration for how you've built your career. And I remember when I went to um, my friend's wedding, which mm-hmm. I referenced in the last episode, which yeah. is funny. It's the only other time I've talked about it. A lot of people were asking about you. And I told them about your story. And so many people were like inspired by it. There was probably like 10 people that I was like telling they were asking. Can like, I ask what you told them? Because I'm trying to think about it. I think I do have a cool story, but it's not like, oh my God, so inspiring. Let me like get off my butt and start working. So I guess I want to know what you tell them. If that's yeah, okay. where I start with the story is that you picked up filming because you wanted to practice in front of the camera because you were doing the morning announcements at school and it was a video projection of the announcements, which I thought was really fascinating yeah. because in my high school, it was just over an intercom and I think most people's are. Mm-hmm. So then you started putting out YouTube videos in high school doing like looks and uh, I don't know, whatever, they, beauty, videos. You know, beauty videos, you showed me some of the early ones. It's adorable. So bad. And then from there, you know, it was just something you were doing for fun that you liked. And this was like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So oh, YouTube OG over here. And then during college, you continue to build up and make videos, but you were going to school for business economics, but was making videos on the side for fun. You were, you got to what? Over a hundred thousand subscribers in college. Yeah. That's really impressive. Yes. Again, my ambitions affect my gratitude because I just never thought 100,000 was enough for four years, right? But even still at that time, 100,000 is a lot because the platforms now have just grown and grown yeah. where 100,000, even today, is actually a lot on YouTube, right? Maybe not to be doing it full time, mm-hmm. but that's still a substantial amount of subscribers, I've, people tuning into your videos. And we'll get into the business side of the YouTube because I actually think you can survive off of 100,000 subscribers. Yeah, doing I'm it sure it d- definitely depends on the uh, the person. On the person in the, the vertical. Mm-hmm. But you got a job out of school to work at an accounting firm, right? Yes. And then your grandma passed away. Yes. And so you actually decided that here's a moment where, you know what? you reevaluated your life and you realized maybe I just need to like pursue what I want. And so you deferred your offer for a year Mm -hmm. and told yourself, if this doesn't work out over the next year, then I'll come back to my job, but I'm going to grind and put everything into this. 
And then in that year, you blew the fuck up. I did. You blew up out of nowhere. Yes. Sorry, not out of nowhere. <laughs> Honestly, it did feel out of nowhere because it really skyrocketed from there. I was senior year of college. I thought I was going to be a consultant. I was working at a job in accounting, audit, and like consulting work. And then I got a job offer for $60,000. $60,000. Before this offer, I had maybe made $13,000 off of YouTube for the four years I did it, or maybe $18,000 total. But the last year before I got my job offer, it was like maybe $13,000. And four months after I got the job offer, my grandma passed away, like you had said. And it wasn't just my grandma, it was my grandpa. So my grandpa passed away on American New Year's, which is January 1st. And my grandma passed away on Asian New Year's or Chinese New Year's. And so I was like, wow, this is gonna be a really rough year. I can't imagine working not only a nine to five, it's like an eight to eight job. Like during busy season, which is tax season and all those other times, you work nonstop. And I was like, I can't imagine dedicating my life to this. I don't really enjoy what I'm doing. I love business. I love finances. I love talking money. I just don't like doing it for other people. I've never been someone that wanted to work for someone else. And so I was like, fuck this. I'm going to become a YouTuber full time. And I had seen, I had seen people at the time doing it full time. And I just couldn't wrap my head around how they were doing it full time because I was making so little doing it. But I was like, you know what? I have enough money saved up. I think I had maybe like $15,000 saved up. My sister decided to move in with me to LA. We found this shitty ass fucking apartment in Skid Row on 5th and Spring Street. And if you don't know LA, <laughs> 4th Street and Broadway, which is right it next. It ain't pretty. It's literally It ain't Skid pretty, Row. folks. I, if you've ever heard of Hotel CISO. There's uh, a Netflix yes. documentary about it. You should check it out. This and ever since we watched that, I don't think I've ever gone back to <laughs> downtown LA. But either way, that was my view. My rent was $2,200. My sister and I were gonna split it. And so I just needed to make $1,100 a month and maybe a little more for food. And it went from me having 100,000 subscribers to I believe I hit exactly a year after I graduated, I hit 900,000 subscribers. So I grew 800,000 subscribers in literally a year. And I made $13,000 a year before to tripling my salary I would have made if I stayed at my business firm. So wow. I did get an email in July because my offer started in October being like, hey, are you coming back to us? And I go, no, I'm so sorry. I hope you guys find a really good person. I felt genuinely really bad because I knew for like months and months and months and I should have told them way earlier I was never going to come back. But I just, I genuinely thought they forgot about me. I was like, I was hoping they forgot about me because I didn't want to have that awkward conversation. Well, who would you be if you were like, and by the way, I'm not coming back. And they go, we didn't ask. Exactly. I didn't want to be that weird person that they're like, what are you even talking about? Like you were never going to have a job after a year. So it's been a crazy whirlwind. And I, I genuinely love talking about numbers. And I know a lot of YouTubers don't talk about numbers. And Matt and I, or at least I have really wanted to start a series where we have confessions of a whoever it is. Um, and we talked about this a little bit on our first episode where it was like confessions of a mailman, confessions of a garbage truck driver, confessions of a million dollar CEO, like wh whoever it is. And if you want to be a part of it, we'd absolutely love if you emailed us. But I love numbers. And um, I know when I first met Matt, you had no idea YouTubers actually made a living. I had no idea. You make a living. <laughs> Which is wild to me. I mean, I have a bunch of questions. And one place I want to start, was there anyone in your actual circle or friend group that was doing what you were trying to achieve? Which was going into business economics? No, or? no, with, with YouTube. Oh, I actually had one really good friend when I was a senior in college that was doing it. Her name is Mia. She was not in college with me, but she became one of my like first real YouTube friends. That was big. I had smaller friends like PewDiePie's girlfriend or wife now was actually one of my earliest friends on YouTube. Like maybe one of my first friends ever on YouTube, but everyone else was really small. Like my friend Fashion by Ally. Um, she's based in San Francisco, but she was really small. So both of us were making shit money at the time. Well, what is really small at the time? Mm, like 40,000 subscribers. I guess at the time it's pretty big, maybe even 15,000 for her and 40,000 for me at the time. So like really, really, um, what we would call micro influencers today. But where I was going with the question was, who are you looking at and saying, I can do this too. I can oh. make a living. I'm seeing how these people are making a living. 
Was there people making videos, for example, which I know is common in the lifestyle content realm where it's how much money I make as a YouTuber. No. So how did you have, my question no. is how did you have any gauge that you could turn this into a legitimate financial situation for yourself? Okay. Before I found out really, no idea. I had no idea how much people were actually making. I met Mia and the very first photo ever on my phone is actually a photo of me the day I met Mia. Like we're together with my friend Ava and I was so small compared to them, but they were the ones that were like, oh, I made I made $15,000 off this brand deal. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I, I, I asked for like $300. And they're like, no, you have to ask for more. This is why I'm so fascinated by money because no one talks about it, but once you talk about it, it's so empowering. And YouTubers are always so afraid to talk about it. And it's become a thing where maybe people will talk about how much money they spent in a week, but they'll never still not talk about how much money they actually made in a week, right? And I think Graham Stephan actually changed that. Graham Stephan was probably one of the first YouTubers that genuinely talked about how much money he made. Um, it kind of started a trend of his own in a way where like some people do it, but a lot of lifestyle girlies, which I would call myself and I fit in the lifestyle category, still don't like to talk about money. And even my own, I have friends on YouTube that love talking to money to each other. And I also have friends on YouTube that they're my best friends and we don't even talk about money with each other. And it's so, it's so fascinating to me, like which friends I have that are comfortable and which friends I have that are uncomfortable. Yeah. I think there's so much that goes into, you know, the conversation about money and people have such different relationships with money. Yeah. Most of it, I'm assuming, even in my experience, is your upbringing, you know, the way that your parents had a relationship with money and how that affected you growing up is definitely what shapes someone's relationship with money. And you have to take a conscious decision to change your relationship or your psychology or thought process about money. Yeah. You know, and I've learned so much from my parents as far as maybe things that I you know, want to have maybe a healthier relationship with mm -hmm. money, but it definitely takes work just like anything. And it is a weird taboo subject, Yeah, but it needs to be discussed. It's definitely uncomfortable, yeah. but I've always said, I'm not going to let any amount of emotion stop me from having the conversation of saying, Hey, this is how much money I want to be paid. And this is what I think I'm worth. You actually are so inspiring because I remember when you were starting your job, it was maybe a year before you hit your anniversary with them. And you're like, I'm going to ask for more money. And I was like, oh, it's like not even bonus season. And it's not the holidays, like random. And it's not even a full year yet. And you're like, I'm just going to fucking ask for more money. And you did it. And they're like, you make some solid points. And I think you should give some advice out as to how to like go about that conversation um, and how to kind of like put that. Callie, don't get any ideas. Um, just kidding. <laughs> Callie, we'll talk later. <laughs> Callie, we can talk later. Yes, uh, my assistant Callie is behind the cameras right now. So if you're wondering why I'm saying that, just kidding. I, I fucking love you. I would love for you to t share with people how you go about having that conversation and how you even start that conversation. Well, first of all, to just correct you, it was not that I asked for more money within my first year. Okay. So it was definitely after I had been there for a year. Okay. The number one thing that I think is that for a job you're working at, whoever's paying you, your boss, whatever, in most situations, like if you're working at a legitimate company or mm -hmm. even a startup, it's not necessarily an emotional conversation for them. If these are, you know, CEOs, if they're, you know, executives yeah. in a higher up position, they've been through it. They understand themselves. People ask for more money. People leave high turnover rate in most industries because people go from one job to the next. Mm -hmm. So there are constant conversations about money. And I think the first rule that I think is that people need to lose that emotional attachment to thinking that their boss or their superior or that executive, it's an emotional conversation for them. It's actually not. Yeah. It's very, very almost matter of fact. And so I think that that's number one. When you can understand that the conversation you're having with whoever's paying you it's not an emotional conversation. Yeah. It's a matter of fact. If they believe in you and if they like you and if you have any sort of good relationship, because first of all, you shouldn't be asking for more money if you don't deserve it and you haven't earned it and you aren't someone that is a value add. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. Only ask for more money after you've actually added value. Yeah. Imagine you're a shitty worker and you're asking for more money. It doesn't work Hey, that I've way. seen it. You have no leverage that way. Yeah. If they want you to be there 
then they're going to want to keep you happy. They're going to want to invest in you. And that's something you have to also realize. You should also want the people that you're working for to want the best for you also. So I think that that's how you need to kind of think about it is like it's very standard for people to continue to get an increased pay as long as their performance is increasing and they're adding more value to the company. Yeah. Because if you also think about it from the business's standpoint, it costs a lot of money to bring on a new employee. You have to train them. There's resources that go into that. You're taking a risk. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And you don't want to have to continue to hire. You want people in your company that believe in the vision and are going to help you take it there. Yeah. So you want to work at a company that cares about the the employees because those are the people that are doing a lot of the work that's going to help grow their business. Yeah. So if you go to your boss after a year and a half of crushing it and you say, hey, this is what I've done this year. This is how I've expanded my role. And this is how much more money I want to be paid to, to be here because yeah. I can get this money now somewhere else. I'd love to stay at the company. I, I believe in the vision. I love working with you. However, I need to continue to grow also financially. Also, another great thing to add is maybe somewhat rough calculate how much money you've saved them or how much money you've allowed them to grow, right? Because, you know, for me, like if I don't have to spend the time editing, that's like time and money, right? Callie helps me edit. If I can, instead of editing one video a week by myself, with her help, I can do two. That is doubling somewhat of my money, um, depending if it's a brand deal or not. I can't, I can't even, <laughs> Theo has made his first appearance on the podcast and my heart melted. For all you audio listeners, our dog is saying hello. He's wiggling. He's wiggling. Um, He's but yeah, just tail. to get back into it. So I think as I'm going through it, you know, number one, you need to add your own value. Yes. Number two, it is a great idea to find another job offer. And then number three, you need to calculate exactly what your value add has been and how much you can get paid for that value. I agree. So hopefully this helps one of you guys. That would be so amazing, <laughs> especially with the holiday season and bonuses coming out. Like this is the good time to like talk about it with your yeah. Uh, employers. So yeah, understand it's not emotional. They need to know that you know your worth mm -hmm. and then have the conversation with them. Very matter of fact, take the yeah. emotion out of it. Ask for more because no job is just going to come to you and, and really give you more money. You have to ask for more money. Yeah. And shoot your shot. If they say no, hey, at least you're still making the amount of money you're making and you can start looking for other things if you're not happy. If they say no, then you know where you stand too. You know that you're not going to be getting more money at exactly. that job. So move on to somewhere else. And they will most likely always respect and value you more because you know your worth. Yeah. I mean, I think your story is so cool. And I feel like we should save this for another episode because we can talk all day about this. And maybe the listeners can even add ask questions about how you went about this because this is so fun. So, yes, let's get into this on another episode. <laughs> but I want to go back to the YouTube. Well, I think how we kind of segued into this was that we were just talking about how people weren't comfortable talking about money, right? And how, like, you had a really cool story about, like, asking your boss for more money. And this is why we just need to talk about money. And I would not be here if I didn't ask people about money and how much money they were making. And it's so uncomfortable. And people have pointed out, like, why are you asking me this? And it's like, well, our lives, unfortunately, revolve around money. No matter how you like to spin it, no matter how much you say it doesn't, it does. We live in a capitalist society. I'm sorry, it does. It's annoying. It's frustrating. But I've lived my life where I've been too scared to talk about money, ask for money, anything like that, to the point where I just don't care anymore. I remember when we started first dating, you had asked me about it because you genuinely just didn't know I made money full time off of it. So do you remember those like first few questions you had or what you were most curious about? Because I would like love to answer those before I answer all the questions I asked you guys to ask me on Instagram. I don't think I ever asked like how much money do you make? I remember the first time that you told I think me. You asked, I think you kind of did ask like how much money do you get paid for like a brand deal? So this is what it was. It was the Hinge brand deal right after oh we started dating, God. right? <laughs> yes. And I swear that they probably <laughs> found out that it worked and then they like contacted you because that's the best way that they could no, get someone. They, had, they legitimately had no clue we were that's dating. what they say. Why would they? No, no, no. Not that we not? were dating, but I'm saying Hinge knew, oh, you're on this platform. Let's reach out to her because she's using uh, our service. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Definitely. I mean, for how these brand deals work that's is they true. reach out to yeah. a PR company yeah. and the PR company 
goes, okay, these are the list of girls that kind of fit your description. We're going in like the back deals and this is what really fascinates me and this is why I wanted to start this confessional series is that, so what brain deals will do, they'll put together a list. Okay, we wanna hit 1 million impressions, um, 100,000 or 200,000 likes and we want girls that are in this age range. What do you have? And then the PR companies or the marketing companies will go back being like, okay, here are the list of girls we've worked with in the past that we genuinely think they have great engagement, um, their followers aren't fake, um, and they'll help you target this audience for yourself. And so that's kind of how the back end stuff works. But with Hinge, it's a crazy story because Matt and I, if you guys watched the third episode of the podcast, we actually met on Hinge. And soon after we met on Hinge, Hinge had reached out to me and said, hey, we'd like to work with you. We saw, this is how they found out about me. They saw my breakup video. So that was my question because mm -hmm. I, I was going to say, there's no way that they're just reaching out to these people and happy, you know, public relationships, relationships what have you. They were That's smart. good to know. Yeah, that, they, that is smart. They just typed in breakup story or uh, we didn't work out or we broke up and they probably just found a list of girls or guys and they're like these people. That was probably in their first marketing meeting. Yeah. They go, guys, what, what you know, what's a good strategy to get uh, influencers involved? <laughs> well, I think we should like every time there's a breakup public video we should contact that person's manager yeah low-hanging easy makes so much sense because obviously they're gonna hop on yes. the dating apps and they're gonna be willing to you know talk and this was like the time in youtube where people were definitely oversharing like this was in my time in youtube where i felt like i was oversharing and now i look back on it and i'd be like if i was to be in a relationship and broke up again i probably wouldn't post a whole story about it it would be like a casual I'd be vlogging something. I'd be like, hey guys, it didn't work out. And then that was it. But I wouldn't. The amount of videos that I've seen that are, we broke up. Yeah. And it's it's all in the same format. It's a format. Yeah. And that's what I find is so fascinating. And they get viral. All right, let's get into the numbers here and get juicy. Okay. How much money did you make off of the Hinge brand deal? <laughs> um, I hate saying these, but 40 that is insane. Yeah. I will say not every single brand deal is like this. And some brands I've signed NDA for, NDAs for, and some brands I haven't. So I like it's it definitely is weird like talking specific numbers. And let me tell you guys, if I say 40, that doesn't mean every single thing I do. Give is the people the full number out loud. You said you're not afraid to talk numbers. Say the whole value. 40 what? Thousand. That's what you gotta say. No, it was like forty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> with being paid $40,000, what did you actually have to do for that? <laughs> it was two Instagram posts and I think a couple of stories, but I can't remember, but I know for sure it was two different Instagram posts and I'll, I'll post the photos here. They turned out really cute and it was so on brand because I had just found you too. I can't believe like when I learned that you made that much money or have been making that much money from charging. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. I don't think people realize like how much money you make in this industry. When you started making that yeah. money, was it what was the feeling like for you? Honestly, when I first started making that money, it felt weird. Like I didn't want to share it with my friends. I didn't want to share. Actually, my friends were okay, but I didn't want to share how much money I was making to my family because my family isn't exactly, you know, like made of money at all. And so knowing that I made this amount of money, um, it felt uncomfortable and it felt like, okay, like I should probably be like sharing with my wealth and sharing my wealth, but I also wanted to build my wealth up. And I'm a very like frugal person. I actually don't spend a lot of money on things. And so like, it, it was like a weird scenario and balance of like, okay, helping my family who like were struggling. And, and of course I helped them, but at the same time being like, okay, well, like you guys are not good with your money. I can only help you guys so far. And it's time for me to think about my future and, my family and like what I want to do with my career and myself because if I gave everyone who wanted money from me money that was family I would not be in a good place that makes a lot of sense so what was the first big check because I'm always fascinated with this question when yeah. people sign a big record deal when they finally blow up yeah. like what is that feeling like and I want to know what the first check was yeah how you felt my first check ever your first big check where you go, oh, mm, my I'm not going to say the brand, but I will say the biggest brand deal I've ever done. And it's a very specific number. It was for one hundred and eight thousand dollars. I mean, I knew this, but just hearing it again. Yeah. <laughs> <it's> insane. <laughs> 
And it was for literally three days of work. I'm going to stop wow. there because if I say more, I feel like you guys will learn like which brand it was. And I did yeah. sign an NDA where I'm not supposed to talk about how much mm -hmm. money I specifically made with this brand deal. But it was just three Instagram posts and three Instagram stories three days in a row. So wow, I'm sure people will be able to find that out. That is mind blowing. Yes. But don't think that I get this for every single brand deal. These are like far and few between mixed with like more palatable, easygoing like deals that happen. So this is the biggest brand deal you've got. Biggest brand deal that's I've ever gotten and biggest brand deal. So I've ever gotten since she's rich, she's hot. She's got a lot of personality, but <laughs> what, but what, <laughs> but what S finish that sentence. A lot of spunk. Yeah. Too much mm. chill. You got to chill a little bit. I'm very chill. In You're some not, things. but either way, <laughs> but I do want to know what your first big check was. I just said, no, that was the biggest, oh. but I'm saying, I'm saying paint the picture for people and tell them yeah, you okay, go, okay. you go from declining a $60,000 job, which is good money, especially out of college. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you're proving yourself. What was the big check where you felt Whoa. As I had mentioned earlier, I was literally living in a loft studio with my sister in behind Skid Row. And I remember after saying no to $60,000, I was like, this can't be my life. This feels really, really weird. And I remember kind of regretting it being like, am I going to really survive? Because at that time, again, $1,000 a month max. And finally, my big break happened and it was genuinely a deal that I was overpaid for and it was eight thousand dollars for one YouTube video and I was like oh, holy shit holy shit mind you I probably had maybe 200 or 300,000 views or followers at the time so it felt massive and that that brand deal itself was gonna pay for eight months of rent. Yeah. I know exactly what it's like when you're living paycheck to paycheck mm -hmm. and you're just, you know, coming by and all you want is just a little more money. So you feel like you can get ahead. Yes. And even $8,000 is still a lot of money to be getting paid for just one task, one job. And I'm not saying it's a simple yeah. job, right? But like that is still good money. Yes. And I actually have a great piece of advice because I really jumped from asking for a thousand dollars for a brand deal to all of a sudden I was asking eight thousand dollars and I actually had no manager. So for those of you guys who are wondering, how can I jump that high? Fake your fucking manager. That's what I did. The first time I faked my manager and I'll explain what I mean by that. That's where my big jump came from. So at the time I had a lot of friends who were YouTubers that actually had genuine managers. And at the time it was really hard for me to find a manager because I was only getting a thousand dollar brand deals. And when a, when a manager takes 15%, that's maybe 150 for them. And it's, it's, and it's a lot of work to manage YouTubers. I'm actually easy, an easy YouTuber to manage, but some YouTubers are really hard to manage. They're not going to bite for $150 commission to mitigate that and to help me grow and help me make more money. I was like, okay, well I need to set up a fake email account. And so I, I set up a fake email account and I would kind of do the same thing I was doing now, which is I'll say, I would love to work with you. I think we'd do a great campaign together. I'm CCing my manager so that she's in the loop. And then my fake manager, her name was Lisa Bateman, because I think I just watched American Psycho at the time. And I was like, oh, like he looks so rich. Like Bateman just sounds like a really like a rich white name. And I'm not going to lie. You know, like, it does. You, it does sound it like a rich, white is, yeah. girl, uh, rich white woman. And so Lisa Bateman would uh, would be like, hey, I'm taking Tiffany off of CC so that we can discuss money. <laughs> and I'd be like, these are her rates. And that's kind of how I started getting my first brand deals. And then I got a real manager, Kim Purpleys, amazing. She got involved, bumped up the rates even higher. But it was when I got an agent at WME where my money started skyrocketing, where I was getting those six-figure brand deals. The two six-figure dollar brand deals, by the way. I haven't gotten like a million of them, just a couple. What she does is even smarter. And if you're going to negotiate, I think this is the smartest way to negotiate. Never be the first person to say a number. 
Because then you're negotiating against yourself. Exactly. I've seen other agents negotiate and I still think she's the best one because she was always the one to never give out a number until they gave out a number. So that is, uh, that's how we've gotten here. All right. We got more juicy questions and these are from your Instagram story. You put up a poll, right? Yes. Or a question. Confessions of an influencer. Okay. This is a good one. Yeah. What are random lies YouTubers tell? I've, I've definitely done this. Nothing for like brand deals, but it's more like time wise. If I forget to do an intro for a video, I'll be like, hey guys, today I'm going to do this when it's like two weeks in the future. Like, so, and I'll fake outros. Um, Other little things I'll probably like fake and stuff is morning routines. So there are a lot of like camera things that are faked. Well, I want to know juicy stuff. Like, is there anyone who's told something that like, what's the extent of things you could share as far as like, I feel like you're, you want me to hint at something. Is there something like you have in mind? No, I'm just saying what is maybe something and you don't have to say the person's name that you and your friends maybe knew was just a blatant lie. Like what do YouTubers? Okay. You're kind of vanilla with it. You're like, you know, sometimes I fake my intros and I get out of bed and set up a camera. Okay. What is something from being in the industry that, you know, give us spill some tea about the YouTuber life. I got you. I got you. Um, I'm not going to name names, but I've had a friend where her boyfriend at the time said that he bought her a car. This man did not buy her a car at all. She bought her car mm-hmm. and they were planning on doing a video where he surprised her buying a car and then she was going to surprise him buying a car. But in actuality, they bought their own cars. I thought you were going to say what she bought him a car and she had to buy herself oh a car. Oh my God. No, imagine, <laughs> Could you imagine, imagine that? that. No, that's, that's insane. Like genuinely insane. And to me at the time, I was like really naive. And I'm still pretty naive to like the inner workings of what YouTubers do just because I, I find myself wanting to be a very genuine person. But there are like a lot of lies that happen to the point where like, I'm like, okay, like what can I actually believe? So I actually have a hard time believing things on YouTube that I watch now because there are so many people that are just like so disingenuous with what they do. I know of another YouTuber where he bought um, a house for someone and said it was a surprise but they actually picked out the house themselves and went shopping with that person to buy the house. And so, and it's, it's crazy to see all the subscribers eat it up. They'll be like, wow, you're like the best person ever. Wow. You must be so like gracious. I want to be your friend. And it's like, they're lying. They're lying. They're lying. I'm trying to think of like other like, well, I think, you know, is there one you're thinking of that, you know, you've heard of with the, with the YouTubers, faking stuff i remember the first time i ever met your friends when we first started dating and it was a very big group setting with people vlogging and doing their thing and i remember one of the guys was we were watching some game some fight yeah i remember one of the guys was faking how he bet a certain amount of money (gasps) on the game yes but i had no idea at the time but then afterwards you told me oh he didn't he didn't really put that much on the game. I think it was like a lot of money. <clears throat> I think he said like 50000 on the game. Yeah. And it was a complete lie. Mm-hmm. And ever since that moment, I'm like, okay, I'm not surprised. I, maybe I'm jaded by people lying for content. There are definitely YouTubers who lie about everything. And there are definitely YouTubers who actually genuinely are just like real people. Right. So it really, it depends on like what kind of like stuff you are probably watching. Like I'm sure like Logan Paul and... The Paul brothers kind of started off with lies here and there, but now like Mm -hmm. live like genuine lives. So I think YouTubers have grown out of that stage of just faking everything. And I think we're in a stage where like people actually want to see like genuine people. Yeah. So it's, it's been a lot more genuine recently, or at least I believe it is, but yeah, I love, uh, Logan's content and that is something he says and they talk about on their podcast where he felt he feels like when he's doing those things he has to be on and kind of you know they talk about it playing up the personality doing things a little bit extra for the views you know you obviously don't want to be filming and being boring is there a way I can make this more entertaining and interesting Um, but let's let's go through some more questions Um, while you go through questions I have like a juicy thing that people can do if they want to like learn if you know, if someone has real followers or not. And our friend Jeremy 
just actually sent us this um, this app you can use or this website you can use that's completely free to use where you can check if Instagram followers are real. And it's called mo-.io. And he sent it to us because we had like, he saw that someone was talking to us that had a lot of fake followers. He's like, hey guys, like, don't trust this person. We're like, okay, like, why? Out of curiosity, he was like, he literally has just fake followers and he's built his entire career off of fake followers. And now he has a legitimate career because he started off with just all these fake followers and people just believed it. And brands are actually way smarter about this nowadays. They'll actually check. So like a healthy, healthy amount of fake followers because every single person has fake followers. Even if you have like a hundred followers, unless you're private, fake followers, like bots will just follow random people just to follow them like legitimate people. So it doesn't feel like everyone they're following is fake people. So um, a healthy range is probably like less than 30% of fake followers, which is a crazy amount. Um, and also like I'm saying that this this dashboard probably has a low standard for bots because if you're just inactive, it's probably fake. So this person that we had been talking to, his number was 75%. Did you just find out that they have websites for fake followers no but i just didn't know which ones to check like i knew people had it but i just thought you had to pay for it and I, i've never been genuinely curious enough to like look yeah neither have i yeah like i just never looked i knew it, it was like involved and i knew it was like around but like if you guys ever want to like be like i think this guy has fake followers just just go down modash.io i believe there's definitely other platforms too from like the marketing standpoint when you're working with brands or looking at pages yeah brands will use tools to see where the followers are from yeah and you can usually tell certain countries are manufacturing farmer like manufacturing accounts so yeah. if a brand's thing is like if a brand's page has you know a yeah. ton of followers from a random country it's most likely fake anyways getting into it let's run through these pretty quickly okay. Um, what is it like to film when you're not in the mood? Well, I actually know the question, but why don't you tell people what it's like to film when you're not in the mood and putting on a front? It's so sucking. Now I actually just genuinely don't do that anymore. I used to do that all the time and I'd have to fake it. And like everything just feels so forced. When you go back and edit it, you're like, I hate myself. And four out of five times, if I made a video like that, I would just have never posted it. I mean, yeah, it's literally what actors have, have to, to do. do they have to put on a certain front get into character put their emotions aside um, and i've seen you do it different yeah, yeah. is that like everyone who's surrounding you as an actor just knows you're putting on a front versus like your subscribers think that's genuinely how you're acting at that moment you know so that's that's like the only difference yeah and i'll just say that from dating you and being with you yeah for me, it's such a bigger deal to put on the camera and do this as we've been talking about. But for you, you're like, oh, let's do it. I'm ready. I can change. You know, I can get into care. Like I can get into the mood quicker where maybe for me, it's not as natural. It's easier for me to compartmentalize. Compartmentalize, yeah. I think. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Have you ever bought followers? <laughs> no, no. But apparently you can buy likes nowadays. And so like you can't just see if someone's fake by seeing how many likes they get. People are buying likes on top of followers and they're buying comments on top of likes and followers. So Do you think that that actually benefits people? If they want to make money from brand deals, no, because I think brands have gotten really smart. But like the typical person who sees this person has prestige, they'll probably start following him. So he'll probably start building a, a community somehow of just real people. But I mean, I, to a degree, perception is I reality. Guess. Which really sucks. It does suck. For example, even with music, if you stumble upon an artist that doesn't have a lot of streams or stuff, you kind of are, oh, is there something wrong? Why is there not more attention here? And on the flip side, if you see something that has a lot of views and streams, you're automatically going to assume it's better for yeah. whatever reason. So it takes that extra layer off of it. So perception is reality, but of course that can only take you so far. I think there is value in propping yourself up however you need to hundred percent until you get to a place yeah. where if you know that you have a bigger mission in mind where, okay, if I, if I get a certain amount of people, I'm going to do something that's actually going to take their <laughs> attention and convert them to yeah. actually be paying attention to me. Theo, come That's on. a different story. Sorry. Theo is now completely distracting Matthew from the point of the podcast. I can't handle it. He's being so um, cute. So yeah. you got a lot of questions. Okay. What people want to know and what I'm curious about is these influencer friendships, are they real in real life? 
Um, yes. Yeah. I would say so. I mean, there are definitely like friends you see more as like coworkers than like friends you would hit up to like cry about if you broke up with your boyfriend, you know? So like when I think people see like two influencers doing a collab together, like being in the same TikTok or being in the same video, they think they're like best friends. Like, no, they're not. Um, and it might seem that way, but it's not. Um, I think a lot of people use collabs as a way to kind of like grow each other's followings. And so it's like a mutually beneficial relationship versus like, I also have real friends on YouTube and my real friends never make it to actually my content. Like it's very rare that my closest friends ever, which, which are Remy, Lauren and Mia, I, I never really post about them when I'm hanging out with them. We see each other almost every Tuesday. We never post anything. We just like genuinely hang out with each other. But I think other people see that being like, well, they must not be real friends because they never get posted. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I got a very detailed question. Okay. Where do you, where do you make most of your money? Is it from ads, sponsorships, other businesses, ventures? Break it down for us. Oh, that's a good, good question. I don't think anyone would be surprised to know that I make the majority of my income from brand deals. And I wish I was a YouTuber who didn't have to rely on brand deals heavily to make my money. I would say... Uh, 15% of my money comes from AdSense and the other 85% of my YouTube money comes from brand deals. And then outside of that, like, of course, I'm also angel investing. I also have like a real estate business happening as well on top of the NFT stuff. But those are like a lot harder to break down. So we got a lot of we got a lot of sources of uh, revenue, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You got to diversify. We got to diversify the money. That's good. Is it safe to say that someone that has a million subscribers, that they're probably a millionaire? No, I, I'm not going to lie when I say some TikTokers and YouTubers and influencers are not smart in the game. I actually have a friend who had like, who has, still has 700,000 followers on TikTok and she only asks for $100 per post. And I'm like, she's so undervaluing herself. And this is why it's so important for other influencers to talk about each other, talk to each other about money. I think this is why we all need a band together is that if we all have the same rate, companies will know how much to pay us versus like undercutting all of us together as a whole. Because if you're only charging a hundred dollars, then they're going to go to the next YouTuber or influencer being like, I'll give you a hundred. And they'll be confused as to why that person isn't biting for that hundred dollars. So fake a manager or get one, yes. as we've talked about. Fake a manager. And maybe there's a way for you to bring in some of the Web3 stuff you've been learning with NFTs as far as developing an ecosystem or a way to communicate with people. These Twitter group chats, you know, having a like Discord channel. Group. Yeah. If, imagine if all of you and your friends had like this elite Twitter DM chat where you're able to give each other, you know, information on yeah. the latest deals, trends, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because so many of my brand deals have fluctuated and really is based upon how much money you're going to ask. And I actually have a really great story about this. So I got a brand deal and I asked my friend who got the same brand deal and we talked about it. Turns out I was getting the same amount as she was. And, but she, the thing is, she's significantly bigger than me. Sorry, can't talk right now. And she was actually kind of upset about it and it actually made me feel a little uncomfortable. I'm not going to lie. But you have to talk about it because then now she knew she had to ask for more money. I, I specifically remember this brand deal. They actually told us how much money we were going to make point blank. My managers went in and asked for more money. Hers didn't. They just took the deal. And so I think she's learned from then that her manager needs to ask for more money. And I will say there are bad managers and there are good managers. And I've had friends where their managers just don't even negotiate. They go, okay, how much money? What's your, what's your budget? This is their rate. And they'll be like, okay, good. Sounds great. And they're boggled when I go, that's not what my manager does. My manager actually like negotiates. No, this is how much money I actually made from this brand deal. And they'll be like, wow, like actually my manager is shitty. And I'm like, mm-hmm, they're pretty shitty. You need a better, you need a better manager. But it goes back to some of our earlier conversations. Knowing how to value yourself, it's such a difficult thing. It's hard to ask for money and yeah. then increase your value, but you can always come down. You know, yeah. so just always value yourself and value yourself a little bit higher. That's the only way you continue to grow, you know, how much money you're making. It goes down to like, you know, asking more money at a job. Yeah. Shoot for the moon. And plus, if you ask for double, that means you do have to do half the amount of brain deals. And 
I will say doing brand deals really kind of hurts your audience a little bit because they get annoyed of that. And it's totally fine for people to get annoyed at that because I would be annoyed too if every single person's post was just a brand deal. If the only times they ever posted anything was a brand deal. So like pick and choose your brand deals and make sure those are brands you genuinely align with and then ask for fucking more money. That's how you do it. That's the Tiffany, uh, the Tiffany formula right there. One thing I want to know, yeah, and this is a question that's on here from the audience also, is about brand trips because when we first started dating, you invited me on a couple insanely elaborate trips. So what are they like? What is the most elaborate trip you've been on? Yeah. And do you get paid to go on these elaborate vacations that brands are throwing money at you for? Yo, I, I honestly miss, I, I can't believe I said yo, but I genuinely miss these brand trips because they were so fun and it was like the smartest way for a brand to spend their money. All right, Theo wants to sit on Matt's lap right now. I miss these brand trips so much like Tarte Benefit. They were like really the first brands to kind of like really go into these brand trips. But yes, quickly, I do get paid for some of them. Not all of them. I will gladly say yes to any brand trip that isn't paid unless they ask for way too many deliverables and deliverables are like, I want you to do an Instagram story and an Instagram post and a TikTok and blah, 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 blah. So it really depends, but they're all so fun. But every single one I've been on where it was purely just girls, so much drama happened. So much drama. People are crying left and right. I don't know what's going on. I mean, you guys have drama on your friend trip. So yeah, it doesn't surprise me. And I will add to the yeah the, the trip thing. I think I miss the brand trips too. Ever since yeah. COVID happened, we haven't been going, uh, which is fine. But I have definitely, fortunately, been able to benefit from these elaborate brand trips going on a helicopter yeah. in a seaplane in a favorite? cabin oh definitely when we went to canada you think that to, was like when we first started dating too yeah it was so shocking for me also we just started dating yeah we flew from la to new york flying business and if you've never flown business <laughs> it is worth it's not it, worth the it, money. No, no. If you've never flown business and I only have through you, so yeah. this is not, this is a, your flex. It fucking is amazing. You get to lay down, you get special treatment. It makes flying fun. You're like, mm -hmm. I have no problem being on this plane right now. Anyways, we flew first class business all the way from LA to New York. Then from New York, we took a helicopter. No, no, no. We took a private See? jet. No, no, no. Oh. From New York, we took a private jet <laughs> into Canada. Then once we were in Canada, we took a helicopter mm -hmm. onto an island mm -hmm. and the other group of people took a seaplane. So mm -hmm. a small little plane that landed on the water. That was just mind blowing to me. It was crazy. And on top of that, they had like this private Michelin star chef that made the most incredible food, hands down the best food I've ever had in my entire life to this day. I missed that trip. And that was with SkinFix. And they're a great, great company that really doing a brain deal for them right now. If you guys have eczema, psoriasis or any sort of like skin condition, they like make these products that are really good for your skin. So check them out if you guys haven't yet. Yeah, and it was so cool also because we weren't allowed to really like venture off at night in fear the, of polar bears. Yeah, there are polar bears and icebergs. We were able to see an iceberg. We went fishing too and Matt caught so many fish. Like every single second your pole was in the pond, it was bringing up fish. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, that was my favorite trip. And um, I think that's a good place to get to. Maybe we can end it on what is some advice you would have for someone that's trying to be a content creator or take their game to the next level. I would say perseverance is the number one thing. If you don't persevere, you're going to give up and that'll really stunt your growth. If you're like one month, I'm going to make videos every single day for a, a week. And then all of a sudden you're gone for three months and then you go, well, actually, I want to go back into it. You have to be consistent and persevere because there are going to be days where you get such great views and you're on a high and all of a sudden your next video just tanks and you're like, what is going on? And I, I've gone through that roller coaster feeling like, wow, I'm just like, I'm such a fucking failure right now. And then I'll have moments being like, wow, like every single video is fucking hitting and it's hitting and it's hitting and it's hitting. And so like, you know, take those good days with a grain of salt and take those bad days with a grain of salt and just stay consistent. Um, so that's my advice. That is such a good piece of advice because I kind of go through the same thing with music. Yeah. Same thing when you're going into the studio, you can't always make a hit. You can't always have success, but I've learned, and that's really good for people. Just keep showing up, keep mm -hmm. doing it. Don't worry about the outcome. Just worry about getting there. I 
actually think our next episode should be a confessions of a musician because there are so many things you know about as well. And I think this was like so fun and I want to get to learn more about other people's business or other people's careers. And so email us. Email us. Hello at rotten.io. Oh, hell yeah. Love that. Yeah. So email us um, if you want to sponsor a podcast, email us as well. But yeah, I think that is a great way to end today's podcast. Theo is so annoyed at us that we've been talking to each other and not him for the last hour and a half. Jealous so boy. He's a jealous say goodbye. boy. Right Before we say bye, make sure to rate our podcast. Give us five stars. We completely deserve it. And if you guys haven't already, follow us on Instagram and TikTok. And Spotify, of course, as well, and Apple Podcasts. And whenever you listen to podcasts, just follow us everywhere. We really appreciate it. Talk soon, guys. (laughs) Talk soon.